conviction comes and he convicts our heart of wrongdoings. I seen some show today in passing on television. Uh, the TV was just going and, and I forget what I was watching, but it was over with and something else was on that I don't watch. And I heard somebody on there say, I was convicted of, of telling off on someone. Well, they told a rumor on somebody. This wasn't a Christian show at all, I'm just telling you. And uh, they said, I was convicted of doing that. Now, that word conviction got my attention. I was like, boy, if we, the church, would be a little more convicted about the, what, the things we do, the things we say. Well, that's not my sermon, but <clears throat> we'll keep on going. But we've all found an altar of repentance. If you've come to know the Lord, you've had a time in the altar where you've asked God to forgive you, right? Amen. We've asked God to forgive us our sins, to come in to live in, up, live in our hearts. Everybody prayed that prayer tonight? I got good news for you. If you're not saved here tonight, or maybe you've once given your heart to the Lord, but now you, you, you did some things you know you need forgiveness for, he's still a forgiveful God. Amen. He'll still forgive you. Tonight, tonight's your lucky night. He'll still forgive you. Hallelujah. I want to talk about something that gets close uh, or that gets closed off in so many Christians' lives today. And I was telling Shelly this big long word today. We compartmentalize, there it is, compartmentalize everything in our life. And every time I say that word, I think of Shelly's closet. We have a um, six by ten closet. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be twice that size. Walk-in closet. My stuff's on the right under Shelly's stuff, and then her stuff's on the left. Nobody got that. My side's the right side, but her side has infiltrated my side. Okay? Right in the middle, the door, you walk right in the middle, but right in front of you then, she said, how about a shoe shelf right there on that wall? And so I built one. 55 cubbies for shoes to go in. Some of them will hold two pair. Most of them will hold two pair. And then there's some that would probably hold about four pair. There's not one cubby empty. Drew has two cubbies. They're compartments for her shoes, and I'm glad we have them because otherwise, I mean, you could, it'd be a landmine. You couldn't even walk in there without hurting yourself. We compartmentalize everything in our life. How many fold their washcloths a certain way? Shelly takes them, folds them in half, folds them in half one more time, so like this big square, okay? And so I thought, well, I can do that. I fold them, and then she said, the wrong side out. See, the tag is sticking out. You should have. <laughs> I walk into our bathroom one day, and the washcloths are folded one time over and then rolled and stuck in the, the drawer. And I was like, I could do that too. How many know if you just put them in a hamper right there, you just pull them out, clean one, and then put them in the dirty one, you'd just be fine. You wouldn't even have to fold them. Nobody knows that they're wrinkled. Nobody knows anything about it. She's so bad that we fold our towels a certain way for our bathroom. And I've, I've conformed. I've gotten in line. I fold them the right way. And then she folds the boys' towels a different way. Our towels are folded, and then they, like, go in half. And, 
And then the boys are like folded three times. It's got to be a certain way. It's got to be organized a certain way. Look at your spice rack when you get home. You'll find out you got them set up the way you like them, the one you use the most. The pantry, the canisters of flour and sugar. Why do, why do canisters come in four? All I know is flour and sugar. And them other two is like, oh, see, I don't do coffee or tea. That's why I wouldn't know anything about that. I'm just thinking, why do they sell four of them? Well, anyway, they're organized. You got them in certain order, how they're going to do it. Our drawers. Our drawers are car- uh, compartmentalized. Our closets, shoe shelves, medicine. It's in order. A lot of times they even put them in a little plastic tub and you have to open it. It's all organized. Monk on TV, even his food on his plate is put us. I do that sometimes. I'll be honest. I do that. We divide things into sections and group things together that make sense to the one that's making this, the, all the decisions of where they go. This is why we do that. Shelly will tell you right now the reason why the boys get towels folded in threes, it fits into that cabinet better than it does folded in half. See? I didn't know that. I was like, why do we have to be different? They have all white towels. We have all purple towels. I mean, we know which towels go where. Why, why do you have to fold them different? Well, she tells me it's because of the cabinet. That's the way it goes. I go over to mom and dad's. They have a certain way they load their dishwasher. It's got to be a certain way. And if I come in there and do it, my mom said, get that out of there. Or she'll come back and rearrange it and put it in. I went in the other day with a mug and I just set it down just like this. And she goes, you know that, don't go that way. Fair over here saying, Drew's in trouble. Yeah, I'm always in trouble. They double check to see if your glass is in the wrong way. If it's not the right way, they'll fix it, make it the right way. We categorize most everything we do. Everything has a place of order. We even categorize what's the most important things and the things that doesn't matter. We still categorize them. We do. I remember as a kid, I had baseball cards, and then you had your, your ones you loved, ones that was worth money, ones that were cardinals, and then the rest of them. But they had to be in teams, or they had to be in numerical order. You see what I'm talking about? It's not a bad thing, though. It's not a bad thing. We all do it. I organize. I categorize everything of mine. My favorite pants, suits. I take my suits, and after I wear a jacket, it goes to the end of the closet, and they they work their way through until I get to the next jacket. So I know I'm not wearing the same jacket every Sunday, right? (laughs) We, We do all these things. Socks. My socks have to be a certain way. My shirts, hats. Until I forget I even have certain things. I got my favorites, and they're stacked on top, and that's the ones I wear. Shelly washes them. They go back on top, and I keep wearing them. But yet I have a stack of... I have a stack of T-shirts that probably would stand this tall, and I only wear the first four or five of them on the list. I was looking the other day, and I find something there with tags on them. I was like, hey, I forgot I have this shirt. Brand new, never wore it. That's what happens. When we can't put something in order, we find a junk drawer, a junk closet, and we hide these things where no one else can see them. We want to have our house presentable, so we hide everything. When Shelly's mom and dad comes over, man, we, 
we start hiding everything. She picks up blankets, pillows. It doesn't matter what's in the living room. It's mostly card and stuff. Shove it into his room, shut the door. She's hiding it all out. Pastor, what are you talking about tonight? <laughs> well, we take some of these same traits and try to apply them to our heart. We say, I'll place this here. I'll place this there. God, you've got this part. God, you've got this part. But this part right here, I've got a door there, God. I don't want anybody going into that door. This part here, Father, I, I don't want you to mess with right here. I like this part. Lord, help us. And most of us, we have some things hid away in our heart that we don't want anyone to know about. We don't want anyone else to see what's closed off or behind closed doors of our heart. I'm not going to have you stand because I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture tonight. But if I had a text, this would be my text tonight. My scripture, 1 Samuel 16 and 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I want to preach for just a few moments with the subject, Occupied Territory, and the subtitle would be Behind Closed Doors. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, it gives us instructions. Lord, I, I know it even teaches us, it even uh, spanks us once in a while, Father, but I thank you, you care enough. You, your word says that you, you discipline the ones that you love. And Father, I thank you for your word. And tonight as we get into your word, I'm asking you, Lord, to reveal things to us, Lord. No one, no one else needs to know, Father. I want your conviction power to fall upon us, to each individual. We'll be encouraged in you that you love us enough to show us things, Father, that we can give to you. And draw closer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Guess what? God knows me better than I know myself. God knows you better than you know yourself, right? We have to believe it sometimes. We think, well, God doesn't know everything about me. I've got this or that hidden. There's nothing hidden. I wear baggy clothes for a reason. You want to guess? You're trying to hide something. You wear black. Why? It's thinning. See there? You're trying to hide something, right? God's not, he's not fooled by anything. He knows everything. He knows everything we've done. He knows everything that's in our, that's the bad thing. He sees the things we did. I say it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. He knows the things we did, but he also knows the intention of our hearts. He knows our heart. God knows me better than I know myself. Amen. Psalms 44 and 21 says, God knows the secrets of the heart. God knows the secrets of our heart. There's nothing hidden from God. We need to stop trying to hide things from God. What I really found out was we know we're not going to hide things from God. We're trying to hide them from the pastor. We're trying to hide them from the other church members. We're trying to hide it from our kids, from our moms and dads, from our friends, from our boss. We don't want them to know how we really feel, right? Say amen. I'm going to think it's every one of you. Amen. <laughs> Psalms 139.1 says, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. And again, in, in verse 23, David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts, 
and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. The underlying Hebrew word for search means to dig. Dig. Nobody likes digging. I'm telling you what, I would give every one of my shovels to you if you want them. I hate digging. I hate digging. But you know, sometimes digging is necessity. You have to have digging sometimes. The Lord has searched us and digs into us, but not like a shovel carelessly shelling into the ground and stabbing in and stepping on. That's not the way he's doing it. I like to watch these uh, treasure shows where you have these uh, what are archaeologists that are taking this little, uh, Miss Vanetta, I know you like this too, take their little brush and they're brushing the dirt away so you, and they uncover this treasure. See this? This is the pottery from whatever. You know, you're just like, wow. That's me watching the TV. Wow. Well, anyway, that's, that's the way God does it. He's not taking a shovel and digging, digging things up and just jabbing it into the ground. He's carefully uncovering things in your life. He's carefully convicting you of things in your life, showing you the beauty that can be there if we'll deal with what's hidden in our heart. Mm. When God is searching our heart, when God is digging into us, he's doing it with love and concern. Wow. Things that we've hid away, we've placed in them compartments that we don't want anyone to see. We put them behind closed doors. We don't want anybody to see. There's some things that you put behind closed doors that you don't even want to see. You don't want to talk about. You don't want to hear about. You don't even want to go back to. Let me tell you what happens. When things are in our heart that we're not letting God into, the compartments in our heart that we're not letting God deal with, the devil is moving in and occupying that territory. He's occupying that territory. Listen, I'm going to read you Joshua. This is, a, this is a story of the Israelites, and we've all heard this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, um, uh, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot would tread upon, I have given you, as I said, to Moses. All right, we see the story here. We know the story here. They're going in. They're fixing to go into Jericho, right? They're fixing to go into battle. They're going in and taking new territory. There's the word again, territory. We see this in the physical. This is a historical map of what happened. What God is telling Joshua here is there's a place that I'm leading you that I've already ordained for you in your life. A place of plenty, a place of rest, a place of peace, a place where milk and honey flows. But you have to fight for your inheritance. <laughs> where are you going with this, Pastor? I've got it written right there to read it. Where are you going with this, Pastor? You're getting me confused. Well, let me get hydrated. The enemy of our soul wants us to stop growing in God. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows John 10.10. 10. He came to steal, kill, and destroy, right? He doesn't want us to conquer new territories in the physical or in the spiritual. But there's things we can do. <laughs> but there are things we can do to draw closer to God, and we need to do them. God is the one that gives increase. How many knows that? 
It doesn't matter what you're talking about, increase. Well, and, you know, when we say increase, first thing we think of is money. God gives us spiritual increase, too. When we're talking about healing, we're not just talking about a physical healing. We're talking about a healing in our finances, a healing in our spirit, healing our soul, our mind, our heart. Healing is, is just a cover-all for everything for me. Every time I hear healing, I don't just think of a physical healing needing to take place. God wants us to have peace of mind. God wants to give you everything that he has for you. God wants us to give him everything we have. What do we have to give God? I mean, the first thing I think, of, well, we give him praise. We, we give him worship. We, we give him things. How about the things of our heart that we don't want anybody knowing about? Lord, help us tonight. Even the things we keep behind the doors of our heart, God wants to deal with it. He wants to increase you in them areas. I'm not talking about something that's bad uh, in your heart. You know, you've got hurts and pains, and God wants to increase that hurt and pain. No. He wants to increase your spiritual walk by you dealing with them things. Listen to this. 3 John 1 and 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Wow. Just as your soul prospers. I heard this scripture when I was a kid and I thought to myself, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Okay, I want health. I want to prosper in all things. I want money. I want all, just as my soul prospers. I go, hmm. How much is my soul prospering? How close am I to God? I, I got to say this, and I know I say it later in this. The more I give to God, the closer I get to God. The more I give of Drew, the more he comes into my heart. The more I give of myself, the more he takes place and he takes up residence. You say, well, Drew, you got saved. He's there. Yeah, he's living in me already. But you know what? There's a fullness of God that we can experience when we give everything over to God. So many Christians struggle in different areas in their life. Why? Because they're not continuing to give God their all. Amen. Good job, Pastor. Keep moving. Nobody has eggs or anything like that tonight, so we're good. He wants, he, what did you say? They're too expensive right now. You can't buy them, let them spoil, throw it at me. I, I, I get it. God wants us to prosper in all things. But there are things he wants us to deal with, whether we want to or not. God wants to heal secret hurts. God wants to heal attitudes that hide in our hearts. Wow. How many was ever disciplined by your parents when you got in a fight with your siblings? You had to hug one of them or kiss one of them. That's the worst. That's the worst. Not the punishment. I'll take the spanking. I don't want to hug them. I don't want to forgive them. I'll take the spanking. Right? Well, I, I do want this to be an encouraging sermon tonight, so I, I want you to leave here knowing that God spoke to you in these things. I don't, I, I don't want you to feel upset or anything about this tonight, and I'm not trying to take jabs at anybody. I'm just telling you, this is an unusual sermon. I'll be honest with you. When, when I was writing it, I thought, God, this is so unusual. He just said, keep writing. I thought, okay, this is, where, this is how it's going to go. Uh, this is, and I even put it in. This is how the Lord laid, laid, laid this out for me to present it tonight. God wants you to love him to the fullest, but we can't do that with hidden things in our heart. Listen to this. 
Luke 10, 27 says, So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So I was reading that, and I thought to myself, How can I give my, my God my whole heart with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my mind, if I'm trying to hide things from him? We don't even want to know about some of these things we're harboring in our hearts. Here's what God showed me. Every time I give more of me to God, he takes my brokenness. He takes my hurt. He takes my pride. He takes the unforgiveness. He takes the unforgiveness that tries to spring up in my life. And you think, well, pastor, you know, you shouldn't be dealing with stuff like that. The devil wants to work on everyone, and he'll use whatever tool he has in the tool bag. So what happens? Things come along in your life, and it hurts. It's broken. Well, I'm just out of sight, out of mind. I'm not going to think about it, so it can't hurt me until the next person says something about that situation, and that hurt is right there again. That makes me realize real quick, God, give me a memory. I can remember stuff, but I'm choosing what to be hurt over. He's like, well, pastor, we don't always get to choose it. Yeah, we do, because he's a forgiving God. And because I can give it to him, I can let go of it. So oftentimes, what I don't want to deal with has become or is becoming occupied territory. In other words, a stronghold in my life. There's a biblical spiritual word for you right there. A stronghold. If we don't let God deal with our heart, our all sorts of issues are going to spring up. Psalms 26 and 2 says, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. See, this sermon, when, when I constructed this, what it's for, is not for me to preach you into conviction. It's for you to hear these words and hear the word of God. And for you to say, examine me, O Lord. Prove me. Try my mind and my heart. I'm not your judge. I'm your pastor. I'm trying to feed you, to help you to grow in Christ. When God begins to tug at our heart and deal with things, that's, that's when the time is to move. We see that all the time in sermons and, and you know, invite people to the altar to be saved. And, and we say, now's the time you know, for you to come and get saved. When you hear the word of God, now's the time for you to apply it to your life. Now's the time to receive the word of God and let it start growing up deep. Because if it grows tonight, grows overnight, you keep water, keep meditating on it tonight. Then tomorrow when you're hit with something, there's already a bud sprung up in there. God, I already see what the enemy's trying to do. You've already tried my heart. You've seen me in this situation. Joshua had occupied the land he went in and occupied the land. And we have places in our heart that we have to occupy because God wants to heal them spots. God wants to deliver. God wants to restore. God wants to bring peace to. <laughs> I want to deal with this last thing and then I'm going to close. Hebrews. I just got through reading the book of Hebrews. And man, 
it's all good, but once you hit chapter 11, it's just like a blast. You're, you're like on a slippery slope, and you're just like, whoa. It's a blast reading it. I mean, just read it, and it goes quick. You're just like, wow. You go back and read it again. Then, oh, oh, I like that word. What's that word mean? Study it out, and you just have fun with it. Hebrews 12 and 15 says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Bitterness, the word bitterness means a lack of sweetness. I love that definition. I wasn't even thinking like a food bitterness. Oh, it's got a bitter taste. It's a lack of sweetness. It's a lack of sweetness. It also means anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly or resentment. I heard a person say that unforgiveness is from bitterness, and unforgiveness is a feeling of someone owing you something. They did me wrong. They owe me an apology. Jimmy Swaggart said this. Trying to live for God outside of his prescribed order will bring nothing but failure, providing fertile ground for roots of bitterness. God said that many become defiled. The word defiled in this passage refers to contaminated. Contaminated with bitterness. Wow. We need to be reminded that the enemy wants to hide out in the shame of our past, lock away, closing all the doors of our heart, and hiding away things we don't want to deal with. I was writing a song years ago just about this right here. There's doors in my heart, God, I don't even want to go into. I definitely don't want you going into because when you go into, the light is going to shine into that darkness. Nothing's hid in the dark when the light of Jesus comes into it. Well, that's what I had tonight. Lord said the corridors of our heart and the doors that we lock shut, you don't want to deal with. The devil's taken territory from us. And now it's becoming occupied territory. Behind closed doors is occupied territory. Here's what I want us to do. Aren't you glad that God doesn't reveal everything? God didn't tell me, Kim, you're dealing with this. Brandon, you're dealing with this. Roxanne, you're dealing with this. He didn't tell me that. Sometimes he tells me some things. I was sitting visiting with somebody Monday, and they mentioned something. And when they mentioned something, I had no idea, and the Spirit of God dropped a name in my heart, and I said, is it this one? And it's like, how did you know that? God just spoke it to my heart. I'm glad he doesn't speak everything to my heart. I don't want to know everything. Right? So what he had me do tonight is present this message for you to deal what's in your heart. The corridors of your heart. The locked doors of your heart. The things you don't want anybody else to know about. The things you don't want to deal with. God says, bring it to me. I'll take it. I'll deal with it. I'll show you how to deal with it. I'll walk with you. I'll carry you through them spots. That could be a, just a number of different things. I know past hurts. When I, when I wrote that down, I thought to myself, there's, there's so many things that happened in our past that we can't get over. We simply can't get over. 
and, and I, I know uh, the ladies deal with that. So many of them have been sexually abused, and that's something in their past that they have to deal with. Boys are dealing with the same thing nowadays. There's issues of life that we've had, sins in the past, sins that have been forgiven, and we're still dealing with it. I remember I used to ask God for forgiveness for something, and I heard some preaching one time, and it convicted me, and the preacher said, why do you keep asking God for the forgiveness for the same sin you already got forgiven for? He doesn't even know what you're talking about anymore. The Bible says never to be remembered again. When you've been covered by the blood, that sin's been covered. If you go out and commit another sin, yeah, I'll go back and ask for forgiveness. Don't keep going back for the same forgiveness that he's already forgave you for. He's already forgiven you. That's the devil working on your mind. All right? Would you stand with me? I want us to come back down here. I want us to pray. Whether you stand... Uh, whether you kneel, Shelly's going to sing a song and lead us into some worship. But I want us to keep this in mind tonight. God, and say this prayer for yourself. Reveal to me what I need to give to you. Reveal to me the doors of my heart that's been closed off to you. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you, Lord, that speaks life into us. It's a breathing, breathing word of God. And I thank you, Lord, that you're changing our lives right now. In Jesus' name, amen.